Welcome back, everybody, to Tea Time Reports. It's Brandon here with you once again, and I'm bringing you the next episode of the Windy City Reports installment. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Today, we have a lot to get into. We're going to start it off, though, just giving a brief moment of silence and going to pay tribute and homage to the late, to the great, legendary Chicago Bear, Dick Buckus, who we found out passed away unfortunately before last night's game yeah it's it sucks it really does and there was just no way that we were going to lose that game last night after that happened and that news dropped and we'll get into that so don't worry make sure you stay tuned for that towards the end of the episode but i just i really want to take the first part of this and just really honor and go over the career the impact the man the story that was Dick Buckus, Hall of Fame linebacker for the Chicago Bears, hometown, hometown boy himself, played at Illinois, is from Southside Chicago, just the absolute epitome of what football was back in the 50s and the 60s, and what the middle linebacker position was, especially during that time, because everything was a 4-3 defense, that middle linebacker is in charge of pretty much everything, the way that quarterback is in today's game. And he played that to to a T and then some, to say the least. And me, myself, obviously this was way before my time. But just being able to, now more than ever, with all the tributes that's coming out now and everybody sharing stories and paying homage to him and his life and his career, it's just, you, you sit here now and you're just like, wow. I, like, because we... We as sports fans, especially the younger crowd, we know and have heard about what it's like and what it was like back then. And all we can really see is highlights. Like to a lot of us, not me, but to a lot of other people, like these people are just names to us, you know? And you don't really understand the impact. Like the same way that we get to watch players now is how they got to watch these players back then, but it's just held to a completely different magnitude in a way. I, I really can't put words to it, but it just doesn't do it justice, but you're just sitting here and you're like, wow, I, I really would just give an arm and a limb to be able to go back in time to actually experience that and see what it was like and witness that. And during his time, the Bears were bad. They were a very bad team. We only had two winning seasons in the nine years that Dick Buckus played for us, but they were a team that everybody watched and everybody feared, and it was because of Dick Buckus and Gale Sayers for the most part, and a lot of it was more so Buckus, and you had teams that, because Chris Berman really did a good job at putting this into perspective and worded it perfectly, but obviously we know the Lions, the Vikings, the Packers, they play the Bears twice a year, and they were doing the same thing back then, of course. But then you had these other teams from the West, these other teams from the East that, in the South, that aren't playing the Bears every year. Then their schedules would come out, and they would see Week 7 at Chicago, and they would all look at each other and be like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit, you know? And they, they would know that they would go into Chicago and probably, if not most likely, win that game by two, three scores, but they were going to pay for it. And it was because of number 51 on the other side of the ball 
and dick buckus and just the intimidation and the fear and you can't even come up with enough superlatives and adjectives to describe him i mean the animal the enforcer the maestro of mayhem the robot of destruction i mean he was the ultimate chicago bear you had deacon jones former nfl player known for the poem that he recited about dick buckus roses are red violets are blue you want to make sure dick buckus stays away from you or something along those lines but players were literally making poems about this guy i mean he had the look too he had the big shoulders he had the frame he had that mustache and the chops dude this was the pure epitome of what a chicago bear middle linebacker is and what a, just a middle linebacker and a football player is supposed to be in general just if you haven't ever seen the highlights please do yourself a favor and just go watch it and the 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 fact that his career his impact his long-lasting effects not only on the bears organization fans from the bears as well the city the community but just on the nfl as a whole i mean some of the hits that you see in his tape are bannable offenses and you're just completely out of the league now excuse me and he's not the reason for it but he's his name is brought up in the discussion with the James Harrisons and that defense, you know, and the other names from the past in the 50s and 60s. His name is brought up in that discussion. Ray Lewis as well. Like He is and was, always will be the best middle linebacker to ever play the game. It, there's really no other way around it. It's I'm someone with my age that never was evil, even able to really experience him can even come to that conclusion. And when, even when you have all the elders the Chris Bermans, the players that have actually played with them, played against them, all the older names in sports journalism, sports media, the general consensus is the same. They all agree that way too. So it just really says a lot in the impact that he had and just the name that was Dick Puckus, you know, just overall one of the best defensive players all around to ever play the game. And he made eight straight Pro Bowls, was a six-time All-NFL selection, one of only five linebackers ever to have more than 20 interceptions and 20 fumble recoveries with 22 interceptions and 27 fumble recoveries, had over 1,000 tackles, and just played nine seasons with the Bears, only nine seasons, was elected to the Football Hall of Fame in 79, I believe, which was his first year of elig eligibility, too. So... And the thing is, it's a shame that we're never really going to be able to see anybody like this again, just solely because of how much the game has changed, you know? And obviously, it's for the better, for player health and everything else that goes into it. But it's just, we know that we miss out on people like Dick Buckus because of that, you know? I mean, even Packers running back MacArthur Lang from those days once said, I'd rather go one-on-one -on -one with the Grizzly Bear than a Chicago Bear. And that Chicago Bear he was referring to was number 51, Dick Buckus. And they don't even give number 51 out lightly in today's NFL, in today's football. They just don't. And 
it just it goes a long way to show that type of impact that I was talking about that this guy had like people feared playing the Bears just because of this guy and the Bears weren't even good I mean that really that tells you all you really need to know about it but we're gonna move on I just like I said I wanted to make sure I did my due diligence and just I really felt like I had to honor pay tribute and pay homage to Dick Buckus I mean being a diehard Bears fan this is somebody that I've heard about since I was walking you know in diapers and somebody that I've never been able to actually understand the impact or obviously experience I never will but I can just do my best to try to and understand and try to live that experience out just by doing what I'm doing now and it was deserved because I mean he was there at week at Soldier Field week one just over a month ago month or so ago against the Packers and he said that day, somebody give me some shoulder pads and a quarterback to hit. That's just That just sums it all up for you, man. That just sums up who he is and how much he means to Chicago, the team, the fan base, the organization, and everything in between. Moving on, though, I want to get into some team news with the Bears. Good news to start out, Jace Claypool was traded for a 6th and 7th round pick. I've never had such a complete 180 180 flip on on my perspective of a player. I was so high on Chase Claypool. The receipts are on here. You can check it out. Even dating back to his days at Notre Dame, me being an Irish fan, and, like, I wanted so bad for it to work out. But, I mean, I should have just saw the signs that were there in front of me. And it just makes it even worse now that we traded a first-round pick for him, pretty much. But, I mean, you live and you learn. It was a mistake. But Ryan Poles and this front office has wiped, their, wiped themselves clean of this mistake and have moved on, which you like to see, which is good. I mean, I don't really have much else to say about it, rather than I'm just glad he's out of there so that way we can just move on and don't have to deal with it anymore. And it's just, it was week in and week out. He had a decent performance against the Bucks, caught a good touchdown, but also dropped some passes. And... The game against KC, or oh, it was the game against Chicago as well. It was just his effort and the blocking is like, it's just lacking all around. Then he came out and said what he said when the reporter asked if he was being used properly. It's just, get him out of here. It's just not going to work out. It's, there's too much baggage. He doesn't care about football, even though he has all the talent in the world, which I don't blame him. I'm not trying to diss the guy at all, but he just, he needed to go. He was a cancer in the locker room. And he just, he did one too many TikToks with Juju in Pittsburgh and it derailed his career. Bottom line. Moving on, some other good news. Tevin Jenkins is healthy, activated from the IR before last night's game. Did play last night's game as well. And some other news. It looks like we're just not going to address the defensive coordinator position for the rest of the season. Matt Eberflus has came out and said he's just going to take the helm with calling defensive plays from here on out until the end of the season. So... That just makes me think we're not even going to bother signing a defensive coordinator and just going to wait till the offseason to address that, which I'm okay with for now, for what it is. I mean, our defense has improved since Iberflus has been calling the plays. Still have my reservations with it. However, it would just be too much to be... It would just be more to be piled on to the... I can't think of the words right now, but... It would just add some more fuel to the fire and just some more 
things for this team to try to work out and worry about with all the other things that we're trying to work out and worrying about right now. You know what I'm saying? So, but last night, I'll get into it. Like I said, last night, they did look the best that they've looked all season so far, in my opinion. But I'll get into that. Some other news on the injury front. Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, De Deontay Foreman, all still battling injuries. Herbert and Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson both lost or left last night's game as well. So did Travis Homer. So we were literally without a running back for the last quarter and a half in Kareem Blessing game. Our fullback had to start taking snaps at running back, which <laughs> you never, ever want to see that happen. Even on the secondary side of things as well, we're just so depleted right now. But I, I was very impressed with the performance that I ended up seeing last night in some ways, not so, not so much others. But with that being said, I haven't dropped an episode since the Broncos game, and I'm going to have to touch on that. You know, I wasn't as... Uh, I couldn't believe it in the moment watching it, of course, because I had a couple drinks in me, and I was a little bit on a, on, a, on a high horse with how we played that first half. Justin Fields came out 16 for 16 to start the game, set the Bears' franchise record in completions to start the game in, in a row. Like, who would have thought that was going to happen? Yes, against the Broncos' defense that got 70 points put up on them the week before, but nobody would have expected this to happen. And we just came out firing, got up to a 28-7 to lead. It was just a night and day difference between the first half and the second half. Then we just absolutely blew the lead. Justin Fields was looking great until we started looking like Justin Fields again as far as just throwing the game away and just making fumbles and turnovers that you can argue aren't really on fault of his own, but it's still him turning the ball over, so that's still how it's going to be held in that sense, but he looked fabulous until he didn't. Silver lining, though, is that it really just gave us a glimpse of what this team really should be and really can be going forward, and man, it wasn't fun to watch. It, And I say that before I even get into last night's game, knowing what I know and saw, seeing what I saw last night, but I'll get into it. But I, I want to I more so touch on the fact that I wasn't really surprised afterwards that that is what happened. I mean, we've seen it time and time again with this offense and with this team and this coaching staff just not making adjustments or not making the right adjustments at halftime. And we just completely went away from what we were doing in the first half when we looked like a completely different team. And we ended up losing 31-28. to 28. Yep, it was, it was bad on the last second field goal. And we went for it on fourth and one. While we were in field goal range, got stuffed. Really suspect play call, really suspect decision. We could have kicked a field goal. Then it would have at least been 31-31, and we could have went to overtime. And that's where I was like, okay, this really is the last draw with Eberflus. I know we have this game Thursday night, so we're probably going to have to wait till after that. But especially if we lose that game, he needs to go. Now, I'm still not 100% sold on Eberflus. I think Eberflus still needs to go. But last night was a step in the right direction. Um, back to the Broncos game, though. That loss solely on the coaching staff, solely on Matt Eberflus. And uh, I know Fields had the two turnovers. The first one, I, I'm not going to blame him. I mean, it was a play call that was designed for him to roll out. 
and he turned around and rolled out right into an unblocked linebacker on the edge and like nobody's ever expecting that you know and he just kind of flailed the ball and it, it was it was bad <laughs> it was bad and the pick was also bad and it just set up everything else that ensued it but going back to what i said my main takeaway from this is that i wasn't really surprised one and the silver lining with the potential i mean he was still 28 for 35 with 335 yards and four passing touchdowns the first time in his career that he did both of those being eclipsing 300 passing yards and throwing for four passing touchdowns khalil herbert had 18 carries 103 yards justin fields only did have four carries for 25 yards so once again lack of using him in the run game and using and playing him to his strengths but everything else as far as the passing game was great that game Tyler Scott got a couple catches that game. I, I still want to see him be a little bit more involved. Um, I, mean, I had a couple of rushes. I'm sorry. I didn't have any catches. So we're kind of using him like we did Velas Jones last year. But I just, once again, it's just another player that I feel like we're not getting the full potential from. DJ Moore, once again, played great. Had eight catches, 131 yards, and a touchdown. Cole Komet had his coming out party as well. Seven catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns. Darnell Mooney also made a reappearance on the stat sheet after being held catchless in weeks two and three with four catches and 51 yards. Equinemius St. Brown also had a 21-yard reception. Then Khalil Herbert also bagged four more catches for 19 yards and a touchdown score. We're starting to get Robert Tanyan a little bit more involved in the past game too, so I like it. It's very promising on that way, on, on that sense. Russ, on the other hand, 21 for 28, 223 yards, three touchdowns. Jaleel McLaughlin, undrafted free agent running back out of, uh, I think, Sam Houston. I might be wrong. Um, for the Broncos, had a really good game where Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan got hurt. Other than that, it was a good game between two teams that were 0-3. It provided a lot more entertain entertainment than anybody thought it would be. But, I mean, we gave up 17 points in the fourth quarter and blew that lead and lost 31-28 on the last second field goal. So, But, I mean, I, I honestly wasn't that upset about it. I really am not getting upset about any losses anymore at this, at this point. That's just how bad it's been up until this point. But other than that, we, we had a lot more total yards. And then we had 471. They only had 311. So these last two weeks, I think we've really starting, we're really starting to find an identity with this offense, and it started with the Broncos, with the Broncos game and against that defense. Now I will preface this now before I go any further. The Broncos and the Commanders, both of their defenses are ranked number 32 and number 31 right now. So I'm just gonna put that out there, and we cannot, we cannot forget about that. Moving on though to last night's game, Chicago Bears go in to Washington, the, the nation's capital, to play the Washington Commanders in the Thursday night game on Prime Video, in a game where the Bears were six-point underdogs, and a game that actually hit the over as well, which I was not expecting, especially in a matchup that was 12-7 to last year, uh, but also a matchup that everybody was thinking the Bears were just going to get dominated in, and it was the complete opposite. The Bears got out to a 27-3 to halftime lead. Justin Fields with four more passing touchdowns, just shy of 280 yards, or just shy of 285 yards, I'm sorry. Khalil Herbert did have a scary little injury, but was looking really good before he came in. Justin Fields had 11 carries, so we're starting to play to his strengths a little bit more. Overall, just 
the offensive scheme, the offensive game plan, the offensive play calling for once was perfect. Absolutely perfect. It was. A very bad defense, I know. But absolutely perfect. Offensive line held up really, really good against this front seven. That's probably one of the best in all of football, on paper at least. But the story of this game was just DJ Moore. Ten targets, eight receptions, 230 yards, and three touchdowns. Set the record for second most receiving yards in a single game in Bears history. Also, could have had two more touchdowns. If Justin Fields doesn't overthrow him by like a foot on a double move fly fly route to the end zone, he has a fourth touchdown. And then if the refs don't call him out of bounds when he didn't even step out of bounds, he would have had a fifth touchdown and almost 300 yards receiving. And he would have broke Alshon Jeffrey's record for the most receiving yards in the game for a receiver in Bears history. But honestly, dude, all around, it was a good team performance. This team stayed in there, and there was a couple bend but don't break moments, but they held on, and they came together, and they battled through adversity. They weren't making excuses. They haven't been making excuses all season. And that's one thing that's really stood out to me about this about this team and about this season, if I'm trying to like dig deep and find positives, is how they've just stuck together as a locker room and as a team in general and hasn't let the outside noise affect them because they know what they can do it's just been a matter of time you know but i mean only three bears receivers caught passes tonight or last night which is crazy dj moore cole Komet, robert tanyan but like i said last night was just a dj moore show Komet did have another five catches 42 yards and a touchdown now i before i move on to the bears i want to give sam howell some credit 37 for 51, 388 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Also had four gritty carries for 19 yards. Sam Howe was the only reason the Commanders even had a chance in this game still. And he is someone that I've I've always been a fan of. I have not ever been as high as as high on him as our, our friend Trevor has, as we all know. But I mean, I'm starting to trend in that direction, and I see I see why Trevor feels the way he does. Cause Sam Howe's a fucking dog. He is, dude. There was time and time again last night where the pocket broke down, he had to scramble out of there and make a play, and he was just breaking sack after sack, tackle after tackle, dude. And I was actually like, I found myself enjoying watching watching him play, even though he was making our defenders look like fools at times, and was just throwing dimes against our defense, dude. But our defense stepped up to the plate, and they made plays when it mattered. They they really did. And this is a defense that is very, very hurt as well. I mean, no Jalen Johnson, no Eddie Jackson. Jaquan Brisker is just not playing like himself. I don't know what's wrong with him right now. But then we have a rookie, Tyree Stevenson, as well, who moments last night got exposed. But like I said before, you can check the receipts. He's going to be targeted. He's going to be exposed. He's going to be tested. He's going to draw flags, but he's not going to give up, and he's not going to let it get to his head because the very next play, he's going to go out there and he's going to make a pass deflection or make an interception, which we have not seen him do yet in the regular season, but we saw it in the preseason where he got flagged in the same drive, had a beautiful interception. But that's what I know we're going to get with him in the tackling drill. Once again, second leading tackler on our team, with five, or five total tackles, four assisted, um, combining for nine. You know, he's physical. He's going to lay his body on the line. He's not afraid of contact. I say this episode in and episode out. 
I, I really do like what we have in him. I wanna I wanted to give a huge shout out to Drake Stroman as well, playing in place of Jalen Johnson being out. Had seven tackles, four four total on his own, and three more assisted. Also had a sack, then a big, a big interception. Then also the rookie Terrell Smith out of Minnesota, six total tackles. Also had that forced fumble, and the fumble recovery. That was huge. Our defense had five sacks. Five sacks. We had two. Two sacks in the first four games. We had five sacks last night. That was big. And dude, overall, I was really impressed. I was really, really impressed with the team as a whole. Offense and defense, top to bottom. Yannick Ngakwe got a sack. Demarcus Walker got a sack finally. Greg Stroman, TJ Edwards got a sack. Rasheem Green got a sack. Dude, all around, it was it was a good game. Now, I'm not going to lie. There were some moments in the second half. It was a 10-point game. I, I was like, I'm not going to be surprised at all if this ends up going like Sunday's game. But then I was on the PlayStation party chat with my buddies as well. And my dog, Breezy, he goes, man, look, they're not losing for Dick Buckus tonight. They're not. And you're like, I started thinking to myself, you're right. There's just no way that the Bears are going to lose this game with Dick Buckus up above looking at looking down at us up there with Papa Bear George Hollis and they they were not going to let the Bears end up losing this game and they were on our side tonight and they blessed us and we needed it we we really did need it another interesting stat is Justin Fields this season has a perfect passer rating when targeting DJ Moore which is just insane and I mean it should just be what we already know and Luke Getzey should already know is they need to keep going number two's way then the targets for Cole Komet the targets for Darnell Mooney they're going to open up eventually and we're really going to see the true potential of this Bears offense in weeks to come and we play the Vikings in in week six and I really do feel like that's a game that we can win and if we win that game then I think this, the tides are going to start to shift a little bit in that Bears team and that Bears front office and the tides are going to start to shift as far as the the whole Justin Fields situation as well, and another thing, I know the I know the Commanders were playing catch up for the most part of last night as well, but we only held them to 29 rushing yards, which is another thing that caught my eye. T.J. Edwards has been outperforming Tremaine Edmonds. I'm going to say that right now. Tremaine Edmonds has done very very little to live up to the contract and the money that we're paying him. Now I know he's been filling up the stat sheet stat sheet with tackles. But that's it. That is it. Nothing else. He continues to get burnt in coverage. He continues to get just he make the, he continues to read make the wrong reads and hit the wrong gap and the running back just goes the other way or he just shows very minimal effort and getting blocked and just looks very unathletic at times. I don't know what's going on. I still think the world of him and he the sky's the limit and he's still very young. I just the money that we've been giving him and the expectations, he's just fallen. He's fallen very, very short of it. But now I will say, as much as I've been hyping this performance up, it was a great performance. Everything was perfect as far as the offensive scheme and the play calling. I still think Eberflus needs to go. I still think there's a warrant out on Luke Getzey. I really do. Because we saw this last year. It just it needs to be consistent. We saw this last year where there were just a few spurts here and there where everything was perfect. 
with the play calling and Justin Fields and the execution. But then the very next week, it was right back to like our week one performance, our performance against the Chiefs, you know. And I just that's it's something that until it happens, I'm not going to ride too high on. But I'm going to enjoy the excitement and enjoy the pleasure while I have it. Because, I mean, we just got our first win since October 24th of 2022. Almost a year ago. Almost a year ago. You know, that's, I mean, that's just how down bad we have been as a team, as a fan base. And you saw us celebrating in the locker room last night. And some people were clowning us, but I like it. I'm here for, I'm here for all of it. Get that excitement, get that feeling back again and just ride it. I mean, that just shows you how much winning matters in this league and how hard it is to win. And should throw out any ifs, ands, or buts about the idea of tanking. I still really want Justin Fields to be the guy for us. And if he continues to do this, I think he, I, I know he will be. And it'll turn out the way I want it to. But I've also expressed before, I, I really have, I have more faith in just the overall future of this team and the trajectory that is going. And a lot of it is is not even riding on the quarterback position. It's everything that we have around it and everything that we can potentially use to keep building around it and use to get that right quarterback, no matter who it is, you know. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Brandon with you bringing the next Windy City Reports episode to something that's it's been a pleasure covering this team so far. It really has, man. You guys have given me this outlet, this this idea, this opportunity to do it. And I've really taken it and I've I've done everything that I can with it. And I, I can't thank you guys enough for allowing me to do it and tuning into this week in and week out. You guys, you guys keep me going. But yeah, that's all I have for you guys today. Once again. As always, bear the fuck down and take care.